Well, today we are beginning a brand new series called Me Trade, and I want to start with a question. What did you want to be when you grew up? When you were like second, third, fourth, fifth grade, and people would say to you, sweetie, what are you going to be when you grow up? What, what did you say to them? Go ahead and turn to the person sitting next to you. Tell them, what is it that you wanted to be when you grew up? What, what was it? Go ahead. Now, for me, it was I wanted to be a, either a professional baseball player or I wanted to be a fireman. In other words, I wanted to be either something that was going to make me rich and famous or I wanted to do something that was really going to make a difference in people's lives. And I have a sneaky suspicion that as you shared your various occupations with each other, that probably it was along those same lines. You know, you wanted to be a, a rock star, you wanted to be a model, you wanted to be a professional athlete, some of you wanted to be the President of the United States, others of you wanted to be an astronaut, right? Right? Now let me ask you another question. How many actually became the thing that you dreamt about as a little kid? How many actually are doing that in your life right now? You, you said as a little, like two, a uh, second grader or whatever, this is what I'm going to be when I grow up, and now you're actually doing it. All right, very few, very few. Why is that? Well, uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. You know, think about it. We have all these hopes and dreams and goals as kids, don't we? But life sort of has this way of funneling us all down till we become basically the same person. Right? We, we all wanted to be unique and we wanted to be different and we wanted to make a difference, but we just keep getting funneled down until basically we all look alike, we all dress alike, we all talk alike, we all have the same things, but we want the same things. Right? Basically, we're like a, a herd of sheep. We're just all going along the same way. <laughs> right? We're just on we go. What happened? How did you get to the place where you're not unique anymore? Where, you know, you were going to be so different. You were going to change the world. And now you're just... <laughs> so much sameness. And we all had the same problems, right? How do we keep from getting older, or at least looking our age? How do I keep the weight off? How do I handle it when I have too much month at the end of my money? What, what should I do with my kids? You know, do I homeschool them? Do I send them to private school? Do I put them in public school? How am I going to pay for their college? We've all got these very similar problems. How am I going to handle this crazy schedule? Am I in the right occupation? Crazy. And so we're all going through the same thing. And I want you to think about it. When you were growing up, nobody said, I, I can't wait for the day when I'm older and I can have a house that's in a neighborhood that looks exactly like everybody else's house in the neighborhood. None of you ever said, oh, I can't wait till I get older and I can drive a blue minivan. Right? So we, we had all these dreams and hopes and goals as a kid, but... Life just sort of has this way of funneling us down and we've lost our uniqueness. Again, we're basically the same. And what ultimately happens is you wake up one day and you're like, I'm bored. Life's a little bit too predictable. What, what happened? I, I had all these things I wanted to do, but now I look basically like everybody else and I'm doing what everybody else is doing. 
And you start to think, is there a way I can escape that? Is there a way to, to get out of it? To, to recapture and rekindle all those dreams and hopes that I had as a child. Is there a way that I could do it? And you start to think, well, if, if I just if I moved or if I had a different job or if I changed my major in school, you know, then I'd be happy again. If I got a divorce and, and I, I got rid of this one and I married another one, then I'd be, I'd be happy. I, I wouldn't have all this predictability any longer. Some of you are like, you know what? If I, if I just got on Interstate 81 and I, just, I don't care if I go north or south, just drive until I'm somewhere where nobody knows me anymore and just start life all over, then I'll be happy. I'll, I'll be content. I can recapture all those things. Sure, yeah, it's going to leave behind some broken hearts and it's going to be a little messy for a while, but at least I'll be free. I, I just want to be free. Now, I don't think any of you here today are crazy enough to just get in your car and start driving north or south, just leaving everything behind. But, you know, we do tend to escape through other ways, don't we? Some people, they, they escape, they just work so much. They're so involved in their job that it gets them away from the family life, the, the boring, predictable things that they have. Some people escape through drugs and alcohol. You know, it, it's, it's the way to, to cope. It's the, the way to medicate. And again, some people escape through, you know, just I'm going to leave this one and start living with this one over here. Some of you guys, you know, you're spending like way, way more time with your friends than you are with your family. You know, it's like when you're with the guys, it's like recapturing what you had when you're in college, you know, your fraternity. And you're like, man, I feel alive. Some of you ladies, you're, you're going out on, you know, Friday nights with your girlfriends and you're going dancing and stuff. And yeah, you've invited your husband to come along, but he's never wanted to come. And you're actually secretly glad that he doesn't. Because for those three or four hours when you're there with your girlfriends and you're dancing and stuff, and you feel alive. There's a lot of ways that we try to escape. Some of you are getting on Facebook and you're looking up that ex-girlfriend or boyfriend that you used to have. Saying, wow. Remember what it was like when I was with them? Now life is boring and predictable. Back then it was alive and it was exciting. Maybe I should take them out to coffee or something. Look them up and, and, and see if we can't rekindle that again. Of course, that's just going to get you into trouble. So a lot of you, you're like, you know what, the, the solution is I, I just got to run away from all of my problems. In fact, that's what society tells us. If you're taking notes there today, society tells me that to break away from the sameness of life, I need to run away. If I just had a different environment, if I just started over with a new person, then life is going to be good. Now, I hope you're smart enough to realize that that's not the solution. In fact, many of you are in church today because you tried to run away. You've tried it two, three, four times. You've tried to escape the predictability and the boringness of your life. And said, if, if I just ran away from it, then it'll be all right. And what you've discovered is that isn't it. That doesn't work. All you did was you, you left behind a trail of broken hearts. You didn't really escape it. Life became not easier. It actually became more complicated. And so you can't just continue to, to run away. Because what you've discovered is the common denominator every time you ran away was you. You're the reason that you weren't happy. It wasn't the other people. It was you. 
And you're like, now what do I do? Now how do I change? See, the solution isn't change your marriage, change your job, change your major, change whatever else. It's you've got to change you. And so that's what we're going to talk about here during the middle of this series, or during this series, is how do you trade in you? How do we have a, a me trade? All of us in some way have something that life isn't quite the way we thought it would be right now. You know, maybe you're, you're 30 years old and you thought that ah, I would be married by now, but I'm still single. Or you thought, surely by this point in life we would own our own home, but you're still living in an apartment. Or you thought, you know, someday I'm going to be the CEO. I'm going to be the one in charge. And what you find yourself in is middle management. And you're just sort of counting the days until they give you the plaque. You're like, how did I get here? How do I change it? Well, again, the change has to come in you. Here's the good news. You can't have the life that you've always wanted, and it doesn't involve running away. It involves running, but... It's running to God. And so that's what we're going to talk about throughout the rest of the series. And I think that by the time we're done, your life is going to be heading a much better direction. Now, I think since we're in a church here, it's going to come as no surprise to you that I'm going to suggest that God's Word has the solution to not just this problem, but every problem that we have. And so what I want to do is I want to share with you a very life-changing Scripture. In fact, it's going to be a Scripture I'm going to encourage you to memorize We're going to look at it all three weeks of this series. It's just one verse, but yet it's going to take us three weeks to unpack it fully. It's phenomenal, phenomenal verse. Now, before I get to it, let me set it up. Let me give you a little context. Something that Jesus said in one sentence, the Apostle Paul said in two sentences, and they didn't actually say it this way, but the essence is this, and it's there on your outline, and this is the big thought for the whole series. You've got to get this concept. Simply this. What I believe impacts the decisions that I make, and the decisions that I make determine the outcomes of my life. Say that again, because you've got to get it. What I believe impacts the decisions that I make, and the decisions that I make determine the outcomes of my life. Let's say that all together. Ready? What I believe impacts the decisions that I make, and the decisions that I make determines the outcomes of my life. Again, you have got to get this down. If you are discontent with your life, what you're really discontent with is the outcomes of your life. And if we're working this backwards now, if you're discontent with outcomes, it means that you're discontent with the decisions that you've been making. See, every outcome is based off a decision that you've made in the past. If I said to you, why is your family where it's at today? You would talk about some decisions that you made in your past. If I said, why is your marriage in the condition it's at today? You talk about some decisions that you've made in the past. If I said, why are you where you're at you know, financially? Again, you talk about decisions that you've made. If I said, why are you where you're at vocationally in your career? You talk about decisions. The decision, what major that you had. How hard you studied. What jobs you've taken. What cities you've decided to live in. You know, if one of your decisions was, I'm going to live in Harrisburg my whole life, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's a decision that you've made, and it's impacted the outcome of your life, positively or negatively. So again, every outcome of your life has to do with the decision that you've made. You've got to get that down. It's decisions, decisions, decisions that impact the outcomes. However, what you base your decisions off of is your beliefs. 
What you believe about something determines the decision you make, and the decisions you make then determine the outcomes of your life. And so again, if you're not happy with outcomes, it means you're not happy with decisions. And if you're not happy with your decision-making, it's because your belief system needs to be changed. And again, that's what we're going to talk about throughout the rest of this series. Now, here's what's fascinating. A lot of people actually will believe that something is bad for them. They actually believe that it's bad. This is a bad decision that I'm about to make, but yet they still do it anyway, knowing that the outcome is going to be bad. Why? I just want to be happy. God wants me to be happy, right? No, God wants you to be holy. Happiness has to do with your circumstances. Joy is something that you can have all the time. So it's not about just your happiness. Now, if you're happy, that's great. But you can't do it in a way that violates God's word. And so, again, a lot of people say, I I know this is probably a bad decision. I'm going to do it anyway because it's going to make me happy. And even if the outcome comes out like it does for a lot of other people, I'll be able to handle it. I'll be able to control it. Or it won't be as bad for me as it is for everybody. Yeah, everybody else, that was a stupid decision. But for me, it's going to be okay. Well, who died and made you king? Why do you think it's going to be different for you? The Bible says we reap what we sow. So again, beliefs lead to decisions, lead to outcomes. Now, with all that being said, if you're not happy with the outcome of your life, again, it's not about going back and changing your marriage, changing your job, changing, you know, all these other things that we often so often change. It's about going back and changing your belief system. Listen, many people say, well, I don't like the way this outcome came. And so, Gilbert, you're saying it was a bad decision, so I just should go back and make a different decision then, right? Yes and no. Let me say this. Put this on your outline as well. If redeciding doesn't also involve rethinking, I'm doomed to keep repeating the same mistakes from my past. Again, if redeciding doesn't also involve rethinking, I'm doomed to keep repeating the same mistakes from my past. Your decisions alone don't determine the outcomes of your life. It's the beliefs that lead to your decision-making. This is why second marriages actually have a higher divorce rate than first marriages do. We talked about it in our last series. In America now, almost 60% of all marriages are ending in divorce. Do you know that that number grows into the 70s for second marriages? Why? Because it wasn't that you were just, it was a bad outcome and so you had to make a different decision to marry somebody else. No, unless you go back and change your thinking, you're just going to keep repeating it over and over and over again. You're just going to be in this endless, vicious cycle. You've got to rethink. You've got to know what God's Word says about marriage and relationships. And if you don't know, then listen to our last series. We talked a lot about that. So again, your thinking impacts your decision-making. Decision-making impacts the outcomes of your life. So you've got to rethink any time that you're about to make a new decision. And so here, here's the thing. Where are you at today? Where are you at? What area of life do you feel trapped in? What area of life is not coming out the way that you thought it should be coming out right now? I think if we're all honest, there's something in our life that's just not quite the the way we had dreamed about it as a kid. What is that for you? What is it? 
You feel trapped. You feel caught up in this endless circle. What is it? Whatever it is, God wants to change that. God wants to set you free. God wants you to, to have the joy that comes in a relationship with Him. And He wants the outcomes of your life to, to do well. And even in the midst of bad outcomes, He says you can learn and grow from even those things. But again, we've got to go back, change our thinking, which leads to better decision-making, changes the outcomes then of our life. So, here we go. Jesus talks about it and the Apostle Paul talks about it. You want to be happy, you've got to change your beliefs. And Jesus said it in John 8.32 this way. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You want to be free from that trap that you're in right now? You've got to get to know the truth. Notice that it says, know the truth. You've got to know the truth. We'll talk about that a little bit more in depth uh, a little bit later. Then the Apostle Paul says it this way. Awesome, awesome scripture. In fact, this is the scripture I want you to memorize. We're going to look at it all three weeks. I want you to memorize. It's very, very simple to memorize. It's found in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says this, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of you want to know God's will for your life? And not just God's will, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know that, right? Well, Paul says here, it starts with, you've got to go back and change your thinking, change your mind. And so what I want to do for the remainder of our time today is just take this verse and unpack it for you. Let's look at it just section by section. Here's the good news from the first part. He says, do not what? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That's really good news for a lot of you. Because you think that to become a Christian means that you've got to conform and be just like everybody else. God says, no, 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 no. I've created you uniquely. I've given you a plan. I've given you a purpose. I've given you a special destiny. You are unlike anybody else I've ever created. And I want you to operate in that. Don't be like everybody else. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. And we've talked about this in the past. Why would you want to conform to the pattern of this world? Why would you want your marriage to look like everybody else's marriage when 60% of them end in divorce? Why would you want your finances to look like everybody else's finances when the average American has $8,600 in credit card debt? Why would you want your schedule to look like everybody else's schedule where it's just run, 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 you never have any time for yourself? Why would you want your family to look like everybody else's family where they never hardly ever spend any time together? Why would you want that? Why would you conform to the pattern of this world? Paul says, don't. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? What's it say? Transformed. You need to be transformed. Now, in the original Greek, that word transformed, we can also translate as the word metamorphosis. It's like the caterpillar and the butterfly. The, the ugly old caterpillar, right? Here it is. It, it's doing its life. And then it goes through this metamorphosis process, and all of a sudden it becomes something beautiful, something that's set free, something that can fly to be what God truly created it to be. And God wants that for you. He wants you to take that, that life that seems boring and predictable, that you're sort of stuck in, and it's sort of ugly to you, and He wants you to go through this metamorphosis process and become who He created you to be. Somebody that's been set free. Isn't that good news? That's awesome news. But again, 
what it means is you go from your old stinking thinking over here, you thinking that you know how to do things, and you go through this whole process where God changes you. Now, how, how does that work? Well, Paul says it here in the Scripture. Be transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. You've got to renew your mind. This is what we've been talking about. It's not about going back and making different decisions. You've got to go back and renew your mind. Change your thinking. And what's interesting is the, the Greek word here that we translate as renew can also be translated as renovate. How many of you ever done a renovation project at home? Like a, a new kitchen, or you, you redid a bathroom, or you redid a, a bedroom? Like, come on, let me see. How many of you have done it? All right, a, a lot of you have done it. All right. Here's another question for you. Renovation projects are always what? They're always really messy, right? Oh my goodness, you got drywall dust all over the place, you got scraps laying on the floor, you got tools laying everywhere, you know, you're sort of walking and wading through things. And in the midst of every single renovation project, you always ask yourself the same question, what? Why? <laughs> Why are we doing this? The old kitchen was fine. The old bedroom was fine. The old bathroom was serving us just fine. Why are we doing this? This is crazy. And then renovation projects always take what? They always take more time and money than what we thought that they would, right? And so you're like just beating yourself on the head like, oh, this is messy and it's taking time and it's costing me all kinds of energy and, and resources and oh, man. Here's the other thing I know about renovation projects though. If at the end you did it right and you didn't cut any corners, the outcome is spectacular. And you're like, you know what? What we have now is so much better than what we had in the past. And see, again, God wants to do the exact same thing for you. He wants to take that old, messy room that you have, and He wants to take you through this process. And yeah, it's going to be messy, and it's going to take time and effort and energy, and you're going to be going, why, God, why? But at the end, at the end, you'll be who He wanted you to be. And you'll look back and you'll say, my life now is so much better than what it used to be. You know, I could bring people up here today that have been following Jesus for many years and they'd be able to say this to you. You know what? Here's how I used to be. Here's how my marriage used to be. It wasn't very good at all. But then all of a sudden we got into God's Word and we started to find out what does God have to say about marriage? What does God have to say about relationships? And oh, it was hard. You know, we were sort of stuck in this rut that we had been in before. But we went through this process and look at where our marriage is today. Some people would say, you know what? Here's where we used to be financially. I mean, we were in debt and we were just, oh, we, we didn't understand it at all. But then we start to discover what God's Word says about you know, tithing and giving and that everything belongs to God. He you know, owns it all, and we're just a steward of His resources. And, and so we became more faithful with that. And God, you know, we, we entrusted with a little, and He gave us more. And, and wow, look at how life is doing now. And, and we could do that with all kinds of scenarios in life. This is how I used to be. But then I renewed my mind through God's Word and here's how it is today. And see, it wasn't just the renewing. What happened in the renewing was my new beliefs helped me to make better decisions, and better decisions led to these better outcomes that we're now currently experiencing. This is awesome. Renovated thinking leads to better decision-making, leads to better outcomes. In fact, you'll have a life 
that is far greater than you could ever possibly hope or imagine. Now, the last part of the verse there says this, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Notice it says not only will you be able to test God's will, you're actually going to approve of God's will for your life. This is good news for some of you. Because right now, you're like so against Christianity and all the stuff of Christianity because you're like, it feels so restrictive. It feels so boring. You know, God's commands, I don't know. It's, oh, man. See, what you don't understand is God's commands are actually the most freeing thing that you can possibly ever have. But you're like, yeah, but, but Christians can never, or Christians always have to, or, you know, Christians, they, they do these, and you're like, I don't know that I want to be a part of something like that. But again, that's because your belief system is wrong. What you've got to understand is God's Word is the, the very best thing that we can possibly have. Let me ask you a question. How many of you think that God's smarter than you are? All right. The rest of you are delusional. <laughs> How many of you think that because God's a loving God, that He has a, a better plan for your life, maybe even than you have for your life? If, if He's a perfect, loving God, then he, and He's smarter than you are, He knows better than you do for your life. And what you've just admitted there is that you want to know God's will. You, you raised your hand earlier and said, oh yeah, I want to know God's will. But what you just admitted there is that you need to know God's will. It's not just something that intellectually you say, oh yeah, I'd really like to know what God's will is. But if it's convenient for me, if I feel okay with it, no. <laughs> you need to know God's will in every single circumstance and situation of your life. Now, how do you discover God's will? Does he like say, Larry, Larry, here's what I want you to do today. No, he can. I mean, he's God. That's not the way he works. You know how he communicates to us? Right here. It's called the good old B-I-B-L-E. This is God's love letter to you. Like any relationship, you need to communicate. How do you communicate with God? You pray. How does God communicate to you? He wrote it all down for you many, many years ago. Every single situation and circumstance in life that you go through, it's in here. You want to know how to have better marriage, better finances, better job, better whatever. It's all right in here. And see, what you need to do is surrender your will to His will. What you're basically saying is this, is, God, here, here's what I think about my finances, but God, what do you have to say about it? Because you're smarter than me. I, I'm going to do what you say to do. God, here, here's what I think about how to have the best marriage that I can have. But God, what do you say? Because you're smarter than me. You're, you've got better thinking than I do. I want to know your thinking about this. So God, reveal it to me here in your word. God, I want to know how to be the best employee that I possibly can be. And, and I've got some ideas, but God, what, what does your word have to say about that? And so every single thing that you go through in life, you just simply ask yourself, wonder what God has to say about that. And then you look it up and you start studying it. Because again, you already said that he is smarter than what you are. So it's all written down. This is the instruction book for life. Many of you don't read it. You're not in it every single day saying, God, 
since you have a better plan for my life than I even have for my life, I want to know what you have to say. I want to know the direction that you would have me to go. And so, uh, again, you don't read the Bible every day just so you can check off, you know. Okay, read my Bible, check. I prayed, check. Went to church this week, check. If you're doing it for that, that's called being religious. You don't want to be religious. Did you know that? Religion means that you do something over and over and over again without thought as to why you're doing it. That's being religious about something. It has no real meaning to you. Jesus doesn't want us to be religious. He wants a relationship with us. And that's why he wrote us a love letter. He says, I love you so much. And I have a better plan for you than you have for yourself. So here it is. All you've got to do is read it. But, but Gilbert, uh, you know, the Jersey Shore is on tonight. I don't have time for God's Word. I mean, I, I've got all these Charlie Sheen interviews I've got to be watching. Right? Oh, we have time for the TV. We have time for our hobbies and stuff, but do we really have time for a relationship with the very God of the universe? I hope you do. I hope you do. So again, Christianity feels so restricting to so many people, but yet it's actually the most freeing thing that you could ever possibly have in your life. And so instead of cringing about God's Word, we need to get in it, realize that it's better, and allow it to set us free. That's what Jesus said. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, here's the good news for you today. The truth is not a concept. The truth is not a thing. The truth is a person. Jesus. Jesus himself had this to say. John 14:6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the truth. And so if you want to get to know the truth, you've got to get to know Jesus. You've got to be in a relationship with Him. That's where it all starts. Again, God, God's not just up there saying, I know you want to do A, but thou shalt do B. Or I know you really like to do C, but thou shalt not do C any longer. I mean, that's frustrating. And that's where many of you are at in your walk with God right now, is it's all about rules and regulations and the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. But what you've got to understand is when you get in a relationship, you start to understand the whys behind the whats. Sort of like this. Your kid comes up to you and says, why do I have to do that, mom and dad? Why? A bad parent says, because I told you so. Because I'm the parent. Because you have to do it. You have to listen to me. That's what a bad parent does. A good parent says, well, let's sit down and we'll talk about it. Let, let me share with you why this is going on. Again, the why behind the what. And does the kid necessarily get it the first time? No. And so the next time they ask you the same question, well, why do I got it? You sit down and you talk to them about it again. And you may have to sit down and talk to them about it again. And again the next time. Eventually, though, the light bulb comes on and they go, I get it now. You're not mean. You're not nasty. You're not doing this to try to restrict me. You're doing this because you know better than I do. You're smarter than what I am. You have my best intentions at heart, and you see that if I do this, it's actually better than if I was doing this. 
Eventually that aha moment should come on for your kids. And it's the same way with Christianity. The more you get to know Jesus, the more the chance is that you're going to all of a sudden have this, aha, I get it now. God's not this mean guy up in the sky that's trying to limit my life. God's actually trying to set me free. He's got so much more that I could have. And so when he says to do this or not to do that, it's actually for my best, my best intentions here. Does that make sense? God wants to set you free. And it comes through a relationship with Jesus. So again, if you want the outcomes of your life to be different here and now and eternally, you've got to get to know him. And you know, like any renovation process, it starts with you rip out all the old stuff and you replace it with the new. And so here's what I want to do for the next couple weeks. I want to start tearing out that old way of thinking, replace it with some good stuff. Let's start this messy process so that you can have the outcomes that you're looking for. So here's what we're going to do. To get to know Jesus, and this is just my opinion, but I think that the, the clearest picture of who he is and how much he loves us is found in the New Testament book of John. It's one of the Gospels. There's, there's four stories, uh, biographies about Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is 21 chapters long. This series is three weeks long. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to encourage you that every single day, starting tomorrow, read a chapter a day in the book of John. Oh, but Gilbert, I don't know if I'll have time to do all that. We talked about that earlier. You have time for those things which you say are important. And so if you don't have time to do this, what you're really saying is, Jesus really isn't first place in my life. He's not the the priority that I've said that he is. So here's what you're going to do. Read a chapter a day in the book of John. And then on the back of your outline, if you, if you pull that out there, here's what we're going to do. Some of you that don't have a computer, you can just do this in a journal. But I'm going to encourage everybody else to go to our Facebook page for ExponentialChurch.tv. Go on there. And if you haven't already become a fan of ExponentialChurch.tv, make sure you hit the little like button there. But then together, we're going to soap our way through the Gospel of John. You're saying soap our way through the Gospel of John. What in the world are you talking about there? Well, soap is just an easy way to... Read God's Word, to study God's Word, and apply God's Word. And so if you look there on your outline, what you're going to do is you're going to read your chapter, whatever it is. So tomorrow we'll start with John chapter 1. And then there on Facebook, there's a discussion panel. If you go along the left-hand side, it says discussions. Click that once you're on the exponential page. And then in there, just put in today's chapter, John chapter 1. Next thing you're going to do is ask the Holy Spirit to highlight a a verse or two as you read John chapter 1. And this is going to be different for all of us. What God may speak to me tomorrow is going to be something different than He may speak to you tomorrow. But that's why we want to share all this together so that we see the way that God is changing all of us. And so you you just write down uh, what the chapter was and, and actually write the verse there. And then what we're going to do at this point is then this soap acrostic. S stands for Scripture, O stands for observation, A stands for application, P stands for prayer. So the Scripture, you write it down. In my example that I used there, uh, when I did this the other day, just coming up with something for you guys, that particular day, John 1, 8 stood out to me, that he, meaning John the Baptist himself, was not the light. He came only as a witness to light. So you, you actually put today's date, then you'll write the letter S, or type it, I guess, and then you'll write out or type the verse, 
And then the next thing you're going to do is, what is your observation about that verse? Now, for me, that particular day, it was that John the Baptist pointed to Jesus, uh, or pointed, pointed to Jesus instead of himself and all that he did. John kept saying, I'm, I'm not the light, he's the light. And so that, that's what jumped out at me. And then the, op, or the application that I came up with is, I need to be more concerned with making Jesus' name famous than my own name famous. So that was my application. Then my prayer that I wrote was, God, help me today in all that I say and do to be a witness to others of how awesome you are. Now, this isn't going to take long at all. It'll take you every day five, ten minutes at the most to read a chapter, and then another five to ten minutes to actually type all this out there on Facebook. So we're talking 15, 20 minutes a day probably. And again, all of us have time to do this if we make it a priority. And I think that if you'll take 21 consecutive days to get in God's Word and you'll go through this soap process, you're going to see that, wow, getting to know Jesus really has value in my life. And, and it's starting to change my thinking and it's leading me making some better decisions and these better decisions are leading to better outcomes. And isn't that what we want? We want better outcomes. So would you do this with me? Just for a month, or actually for the next three weeks. After three weeks, you don't see any value of getting into God's Word every day, then don't do it anymore. Seriously, don't do it. But I am so convinced that you're going to make this a habit and that you're going to see the value of it, that you will continue to do it. Okay? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come together to worship you in both spirit and in truth. And Lord, as we talked about earlier, we know that you, Jesus, are the truth. And you, Jesus, came to set us free. Your word says that he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. But God, I, I just pray that we wouldn't just simply say, oh, I, I've been making some bad decisions. I just need to change my decisions, get a new spouse or get a new job or move to a new city or whatever. That no, we would go back and we would change our thinking. That we would get a new belief system. And so, Lord, I pray right now that every single person that's within the sound of my voice, every single person that's listening to this podcast, that, Lord God, right now, Your Spirit would reveal to them where they are not thinking correctly, where they have a little bit of stinking thinking. And, God, I pray that they would make a commitment to getting in Your Word and finding how do I change my thinking? What does God's Word say about this situation so I can make some better decisions? and ultimately have better outcomes in the life that I've always, always wanted. God, thank you for your spirit and for him revealing to people the next step that you would have them to take. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, again, the truth is not a concept. It's not a thing. It's a person. His name is Jesus and what you need to realize is that you need Jesus in your life more than maybe you even recognize it. You say, well, why is that, Gilbert? Well, simply this. The Bible says that we've all sinned. In other words, we've all messed up. We've, we haven't been perfect. Let me put it that way. Right? I think sitting there in your seat, you would recognize that you have not lived a perfect life. Here's the bad news. The Bible says that if you even have just one sin in your life ever, you're disqualified from heaven. You say, well, why is that? Very simply. Heaven is a perfect place. God is a perfect God. And He cannot allow your imperfection into His perfect heaven. You, by default, would make heaven imperfect because of your sinfulness. 
So what the Bible says is that all of us actually deserve eternal punishment in a very real place called hell. You're saying, well, Gilbert, I don't believe in hell. And even if there is a hell, I don't believe that a loving God would send people to hell. Well, listen to me. If you end up in hell, it's not because God sent you there. It's because you chose to go there. You see, God has provided a way out for us. And he gives us a free choice of, do I want to have eternal life in heaven or do I want to have eternal life in a very real place called hell? You say, well, how, how do I get this choice? Here's what you need to understand about Jesus. Jesus wasn't just a human being like we are. Oh, yeah, he was flesh and bone, but he was also 100% God. In other words, God himself came to this earth in the form of Jesus Christ. And Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life that you could never, ever live. And he died on the cross and he shed his blood so that all of your sins could be forgiven. And what he now offers to you as an absolutely free gift is forgiveness and eternal life with him forever. You see, His blood can wash away all of your sin. It can cover over all your sin so that now when God looks at you, He sees you as being perfect. Now you are eligible to be in heaven. Why? Because He sees you as perfect. And so it it all begins with just a, a simple prayer. Admitting to God that, you know what, God, I've messed up. I haven't been perfect. And I need your forgiveness. I I need your direction. You see, it's it's not that you're just sorry about your sin like you got your hand caught in a cookie jar. No, you're so sorry and broken over your sin that you say, God, with your help, I never want to do this again. I'm going to start doing things your way. I was going my way before. I was thinking my way, and that's called sin. Now I'm going to turn and go the other way. That's called repentance according to the Bible. And when you repent and you start believing what God believes and you start making the decisions based off of God's Word, it's going to lead again to better outcomes abundantly right here on this earth and eternally forever in heaven but it's your choice. He doesn't force himself on you. All of us, all of us, at some point, have to make a decision of what am I going to do with this guy named Jesus? Is he just this this liar? Is he this lunatic? Or is he truly who he said that he was? God in the flesh and has the power to forgive sin forever. And so some of you need to start a relationship with him today. And so again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you're like, you know, Gilbert, I need Jesus' forgiveness. I need His Spirit to come live inside of me, to lead me, to guide me, direct me. If that's true of you, would you just raise your hand up nice and high so I can see it here this morning? Yes, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be the leader of my life. Show me the way that you'd have me to go. I'm tired of living life my way. I want to start doing it your way. Anybody here this morning? Anybody here this morning? You know, if your heart's beating really fast right now, I'm talking to you. And that's not me talking, that's the Spirit of God talking to you. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. None of us know when that day or hour is going to come when, when we're going to die. And so are you going to stand before God and say, God, I've been perfect, and that's why you should let me into, my, into your heaven? Or are you going to humble yourself and say, I haven't been perfect? And I need his forgiveness. I need his leadership. One more, one more chance. Anybody here today? Anybody here? Just raise your hand up. All right. I don't see any hands this morning. So, God, that means one of two things. Either that every single person that's here within the sound of my voice already has a relationship with you, which would be awesome. Or it may mean that there's some people here that you're still kicking the tires on this whole Christianity thing. And you know what? That's okay. 
It's okay to do that. We hope that you find ExponentialChurch.tv a safe place where you can come in and investigate the claims of Christianity and not feel any pressure at all. Now, you're going to hear me say this every week, though, because, again, none of us know when that day or hour is going to come. I'm concerned about your eternity. I'm more concerned with your eternity. I'm concerned about anything else in your life. And so I'll continue to present it, but I'm not going to force it on you, okay? But make a decision. Make Make the choice that if you're still kicking the tires that you're going to investigate with all of your heart. Is this true or is it not? Because if it's not true, then don't show up on Sundays. I mean, what a colossal waste of your time. This isn't about just helping you become a better person here on this earth. This is about where are you going to live for eternity? Because even if you live to be 90, 100, 110 years old, that's a very short span when you consider all of eternity. You will live somewhere forever. Is it going to be with him or is it going to be separated from him? So again, make, make, the, uh, make the decision today to investigate it with all of your heart. Again, God, we thank you for uh, this day and the opportunity to come together and, and be with you. And God, I pray again that we would start making better uh, decisions based off of better beliefs. And so help that begin this week. Help each and every one of us get in your word every single day over this next week. Get on Facebook. Start sharing our thoughts, what God is speaking to us. There is no right and no wrong as we do this. We just want to be there for one another, hold each other accountable, and help encourage each other in any way that we possibly can. God, again, thank you for all that you're doing. You're going to continue to do it. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.